Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome over in Avon. It is so good to see you all this morning. Way to make it out on a raining morning. It's fun to see this place packed out. And over in Avon, we love you guys. We wanted to just touch base and celebrate what God did in our middle school students last weekend while we were all having church. They were still up in Michigan. Now, that's actually only about half the number of middle school students who are typically here on a weekend, but what I was excited about when I dropped off my seventh grade son, Jack, is there were about 40 more middle schoolers there for the winter retreat this year than there were last year. Uh, Last year, it was 15 passenger vans. This year, it was two of those huge charter buses and an extra 15 passenger van, and I was just so excited to see this movement that God is doing among our young people. So way to go, church. I wanted to celebrate that together with you. I want to give you a heads up as well. Next week, we are kicking off a series called I Am Strong. Now, if you were here five years ago, um, we taught this same material, though uh, it's going to be refreshed and updated. This is all about finding God in your pain and in your suffering. Uh, And I still meet people who this series five years ago uh, completely changed their relationship with pain and suffering and has given them the ability, these truths from God's word, the ability to find God in their suffering. So if you know someone who's hurting, someone who's going through cancer or chronic illness or the loss of a loved one, it's a great series to invite them to. Uh, And if you're here and you're like, well, life's pretty good right now, I'd encourage you to come anyways because uh, life in a fallen world, thanks to Satan and sin, there's pain in all of our lives at times. And so I'm, I'm excited for this series. I hope you'll be praying with me. Today, We're wrapping up this series called The Journey of Joy. It's been a really, really fun series. Our teaching pastor, Ron Merrill, kicked it off uh, with the joy of eternal life. And in the last three weeks, we've been really studying joy through the words of Jesus. And I just want to take us straight into that today. I want you to think of a time in your life when you felt the most loved, a time when you felt the most safe, a time when you felt the most known, the most embraced, the most able to be yourself. Uh, Maybe it's in your childhood. If you had a a good parent or a a good home, there might be some moments from your childhood where you just think like, oh, that was, that's when I felt that. Can you think of a time when you felt that way? Maybe it's something more recent. As I was praying over this uh, idea and this weekend's message, and I was thinking, you know, about times when we feel the most loved and safe and known and embraced, it reminded me of a few moments in my kids' lives as we've been raising them. Here's one of those moments that, to me, this just captures that. This was years ago, just an ordinary trip to Costco, and uh, there were these foldable wagons, and my kids wanted to ride in it. And so the trip to Costco to get some groceries ended up becoming, just for them, this like adventure. And you think of that feeling when you're, you're young and just your needs are met and you're provided for and the people around you are 
are safe people and, and they're good people. Uh, here's another image that to me kind of captures that feeling. If you look at the expressions on my daughter's faces, Zoe and Evie, this was a couple years ago now, and to me it just captures a little bit of that sense, that um, childhood sense that we all have inside of us that we, we want to get back to that, don't we? I mean, I think if we're honest through our careers and through our dating relationships and, and really all the things we pursue as adults, we're, we're trying to, to get that if we never really had it, or we're trying to get back to that if we did have it. So here's the question we're asking today. How can we get that safe love as a way of life? How can we get that as just like, that's, that's a normal day in your life, and whether you're going through hard things or good things, whether the sun's shining or it's raining, you've got these relationships around you and you have this inner sense um, that you're loved, you're accepted, that you belong. You know, pretty fast, pretty young, pretty early in life, we learn that uh, while we're putting out our receptors for who will give me love and uh, attention and affection, if we put out those receptors um, too freely, um, we get the opposite. We get pain. Uh, this is uh, kind of a, a light example of that. My daughter Zoe is a big-time animal lover. This is a cat that uh, one day we were at, I think it was her aunt's house, and um, she just loved this cat. You can see the expression in the cat's eyes. <laughs> cat didn't feel the same way. <laughs> and we tried to warn Zoe, like, hey, not all animals love to be uh, squeezed as much as you love to squeeze the animals. And uh, sure enough, after a little while, the cat scratched Zoe and there were tears. And it's just one of those little moments that is so indicative of our lives, right? We, we start out and we're like, who can I love? Who can I squeeze? Who, who can I cuddle with? And we get scratched, don't we? We get bit sometimes. Life's hard. Zoe kind of got this animal thing from me. When I was a little boy, uh, I loved animals, especially dogs. I had all these little model dogs around my room. We had pet dogs as well. My grandma had two pet poodles. And I remember whenever I'd go over to her house, I'd crawl around on the ground with them. I would just let them lick me all over my face. I just, uh, and I was convinced that I was like an animal whisperer, that I had this connection. Did any of you feel that way as a kid? Uh, Zoe got this from me. I, I was just convinced of it. And of course, with three older brothers, they made fun of me all the time. And they had a great chance to make fun of me. One vacation, we were uh, visiting uh, like a horse ranch. And you know what a baby horse is called a colt? Here's a picture of one. And uh, it was that time, I was probably eight or nine years old. My brothers were all teenagers, so I would wake up way before them, and I would just go off and play by myself, because I knew not to wake them up, or I'd get beat up real bad. So, so I wake up, and I go out, and there's this colt. I'm sure I had some little name for her, you know, and, and, and I had this little relationship with this, this horse that I didn't even really know. And I just, I remember it like it was yesterday. The sun was rising, it's beautiful, everyone's still asleep. I go out there and I start to pet this colt across the fence. And she leans in and I'm like, oh, she's gonna give me a kiss. She bit me. Like right on the chest. And, and I don't know if you've ever been bitten by a horse, but like she bit and she twisted. 
I got an animal, I guess I can't say it in church, but there's a word for that, right? When, when your chest gets squeezed and twisted and, oh man, I ran back into the cabin and I woke my brothers up. They were so mad at me and I don't know which was worse, the, the physical pain, the sting of rejection from this animal that I loved so much or getting made fun of even more by my three older brothers for the rest of the trip. Have you ever felt that way? You open yourself up to love and you get rejection, you get pain instead. Here's the question we're gonna think on in our time together today. In a world where our kids get bullied, in a world where hateful words have just become the norm, you know, a world where there used to be kind of some decency, some etiquette, some respect. How do we in that kind of world create a safe nest, if you will, a safe environment for our kids and our grandkids to grow up in? And then how about for ourselves? You know, in a world where you don't know what a coworker is going to say about you when you're not in the room, you don't know who's going to, you know, gossip about you, you, you don't know who you can trust how can you in that kind of world find an environment, build an environment for you and, and your loved ones that is safe? Well, believe it or not, God answers this, and it's right in this passage we've been studying of Jesus' words to his 12 closest disciples. In fact, this is the longest single dialogue of Jesus that we have recorded. Uh, it's John chapters 13 to 17. Almost all four of those chapters are Jesus' words, beautiful words. If you don't know kind of where you are with God or where to start, the gospel of John's a great place to start. And these words of Jesus are, are just like a, a peek right into the heart of God. Now, as I've been studying these four chapters, our theme has been joy. But there's another theme in here, and it overlaps with joy, and it might surprise you. It might surprise you, especially if you think of the fact that Jesus was a carpenter. I mean, the, the, Jesus and these 12 guys, he's talking to 12 guys until Judas leaves, then it's 11. And, and these are agrarian, farmer, manual labor guys. Some of them are fishermen. Jesus was a carpenter. Others were farmers. These guys have thick muscles. They've got calluses on their hands. There's, you know, constant dirt under their fingernails. Like, it cannot get washed out. That's the kind of guys, these guys, these are tough guys. And there's this word that Jesus uses over and over. It's the word love. And it's not like a romantic kind of love. It's not a sexual kind of love. It's a familial love. It's a deep, deep friendship love. And it's really interesting that really Jesus in his ministry to these 12 and to the world and to us, and especially in these closing words to these guys, the theme is this childhood longing that we all have to be safe, to belong, to be among people who though they're not perfect, they're they're faithful to us, they're loyal, they're reliable. Jesus talks about this over and over again. In fact, let's pick up right in our kind of theme verse for this study, the journey of joy. Jesus says, I've told you this, which is all these things, four chapters, so that my joy, the joy of God, would be in you. And if you'll believe these things and live these things out, then your joy, which we've learned doesn't mean, it's not the same as happiness. 
Joy is something you can have when you're going through cancer treatment. Joy is something you can have when someone is wronging you. It's an internal sense that everything's okay and there's still this sense of joy. Your joy will be complete, mature, full when you live this way of life. Here's what he says, very next verse. My command is this, love each other. Love each other. There's a family that's here today, and, and like right now, that's, that's God's word in your house that you need to hear from God today. Love each other. Stop nitpicking. Stop focusing on everything the other person does wrong. Take a beat and love one another. Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. How is he gonna love the disciples? He's gonna willingly lay down his life as a sacrifice. You say, uh, greater love has no one than this, that they would give their life to rescue or to save the life of their friend. That's Jesus' kind of love. He says, I want you guys to love each other that way. I mean, this one little short verse, you, you could study this for a year. Think about this. What does Jesus want from you in your life? Love. Toward whom? And I think this is important because I think sometimes we hear the word love and it's just so generic. Means we're supposed to love everyone, we're supposed to, no, Jesus here is really specific. If you study these four chapters, what he's after most is love toward other believers. Now, of course we love the world. God so loved the world and, and you know, we love all people, but our, our first target for love are the believers around us. There's supposed to be something in the way Christians love each other that unbelievers look on and they say, why are those tough guys like crying together, you know? Why are those tough guys occasionally hugging each other? Why, why, how do you get that kind of deep relationship? The world is supposed to look at believers when we're living Jesus' way and be like, how do you get that? And here's what's interesting, you know, very often if you read Jesus' words, he'll be talking sometimes to thousands or hundreds of people and he'll say, um, whosoever will, or if you want to be my disciple, do this. There's a lot of like, if then, like, hey, I'm not forcing your hand, you've got a free will, if you want new life, come and join me. Pretty rare that he says, here's what I command you to do. And I think part of the reason he uses this word command is he's talking to his followers, and we're going to see as we journey through this today, he uses this word command three different times. And it's the only time I could find where he says this specific word. Not an option, a command. Love each other. Love other believers particularly in a self-sacrificing way. In fact, if you were to skip down five verses to verse 17, he says it again. This is my command Love each other. Parents, think about this. Imagine that um, your kids sometimes don't get along. Just imagine it, <laughs> hypothetically. There's a hundred different things you could do to try to solve that problem, right? But ultimately, if they would love each other, like truly put others above themselves, be patient, be forgiving, be kind, be self-sacrificing, love as Jesus taught it, wouldn't it solve all the problems? You see kids sometimes where the parents pass away and there's an inheritance and adult kids can turn nasty with each other when they start to fight over money and greed takes over. And for those parents, I mean, how sad of a legacy, 
But if those kids have been taught to love each other, they're gonna, they're gonna just approach it totally different. And in a similar way, Jesus knows he's gonna die on the cross. He's explaining all this to the disciples. He's gonna rise again. They're gonna see him briefly. Then he's gonna go to heaven to prepare a place. He's gonna leave them on earth to spread the good news. And he knows they're gonna face persecution. They're gonna face difficulty. Life's gonna be hard. And he knows that the greatest asset next to relationship with God and the word of God, the greatest thing they could have in this life is each other. He's saying, I, I, I'm going away, so I need you guys to love each other like never before. Here's kind of the summary today. Jesus commands you to love other believers. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, if you say you're a follower of his, he doesn't command you to like all the believers, okay? There's a, there's a lot of us and some of us are really weird, okay? But he does command you to love all the other believers. And guess what happens? When you lay down your rights, your will, your, your wants to, to choose to love others, love is a choice, not a feeling in, according to God. Guess what happens? there's this boomerang effect of joy in your own life. Not always instantaneously, but over the course of time. And those believers benefit, and sometimes their rough edges get smoothed off as you give them unconditional love. And third benefit, a watching world. Your relatives who you care about who don't believe in Jesus, they might see you receiving or giving unconditional Jesus-style love to other believers, and over the course of time, over months and years, they say, how do you get that kind of relationship? And it gives you this opportunity to say, it's only through Jesus. It's not my nature, and it's not the nature of the person who you saw who brought us food when we were sick. It's just Jesus in us. And the world sees, if you obey Jesus in this, Joy will invade your life in this way. It's another part of the journey of the joy, journey of joy. In this process, if you lay down your life to love other believers as you give your time, your energy, your resources to love on and serve God's people, something else also happens. One relationship at a time starts to get healthy around you, and it does start to form this sort of nest around you, this warm wrap of relationships, and in giving yourself away, you end up receiving the very thing that everyone around us is seeking, that childlike sense of where am I safe, where am I loved, where do I belong, that place where you're known and accepted, quirks and all, imperfections and all. And in the words of Jesus, we see this is something that Jesus wants for you. Now, I'm not gonna pretend this is simple or easy. The biggest obstacle to this is ourselves, each other, (laughs) right? Because think about it, as he's telling the disciples, part of your journey of joy is each other. You guys are gonna have each other. What happens? Well, one of the 12, Judas, abandons them and, and betrays Jesus. And so Jesus is not saying here, please don't mishear me, especially if you're new in this, like, oh, great, I'm just gonna, you know, jump in head first to, you know, love the other Christians and it'll go great, no one will ever hurt me. You know, there will be Judases, there will be hurts. In fact, this is true in any relationship other than God. Anyone you love is gonna let you down at times. It's true in a marriage, it's true with your kids, and it's true with other believers, but we don't put our hearts in a coffin and say, well, you know, because I might get hurt, I'm just never gonna love anyone. 
gonna go live on an island by myself. I'm never gonna date. I'm never gonna have kids. I, I don't wanna love anyone because they might hurt me. That's, that's no way to live. You have to take some risk. So, okay, let's review what we've learned so far. Jesus' secrets to your most joyful and fruitful life. This is what we've learned from John chapter 15. Two weeks ago, we learned that to live your most joyful life, you must be attached to Jesus as your lifeblood. If you missed that message, that's a key one. Um, Jesus does not teach works-based improvement, okay? It's not like if you're just catching this one message, Jesus is saying, well, you better love people or, or else you're not gonna make it to heaven, okay? Jesus is really clear. The only way to heaven and the only way to be right with God is through him, and you receive him as your savior, believing that he did the good works. He paid the price. And it's this moment where you just say, God, I admit that I need your help. Jesus, be my savior, and, and it's designed, it's intended, just like when you um, get engaged to someone, the goal isn't just, you know, that there's a ring on the finger and that's the end of it. It's like there's a ring on the finger and now they're going to spend their life together. And so Jesus, after you receive him as your savior, he wants you to have a relationship with him where one day at a time, he's like your source of joy, of peace, of direction, and that's part of the, the kind of adventure of a relationship with God through Jesus. From the moment you receive him until you breathe your last breath on earth, every day you can get to know him a little more, uh, and that's why we're here. Whether you're over at Avon or online or here in Brownsburg, um, we are here to help you experience God in your life, and when you gather here faithfully every weekend, it helps you to do that. Well, last week we learned this, discover the joy of answered prayer. We saw the beautiful verse where Jesus says, if you remain in me, and if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be granted. And if you missed that message, really powerful truth from God's word um, that is more literally true than most Christians believe. Uh, in fact, in this last week, I've heard a number of stories from, from some of you of times in the past where you believe that verse, or times even this last week, I heard a couple stories of people who really claimed that, uh, surrendered, God, not my will but yours be done, but I wanna remain in you, I want your word to remain in me, and I'm gonna boldly ask for the desires of my heart. That one's a life changer. Well, uh, this third one that we're learning today, we could rephrase it this way, be fiercely loving toward Jesus' people. Be fiercely loving toward Jesus' people. This is part of your way of life. This is part of the, the path to joy. The most joyful believers I know are not ones who are isolated away from all other Christians. The most joyful believers I know, the most joyful people I know, are followers of Jesus who have um, deeply, emotionally intimate relationships, not with every Christian in the, in the world, that's impossible, not with every Christian in our church, that's impossible, but with a few, with an inner circle. You know, a guy who's got three or four other guy friends who are all, you know, usually the same stage of life. Sometimes you've got one who's further ahead of you and maybe one who's not as far along. And you're sharing your burdens, your failures, your temptations, your struggles, and you're encouraging each other. Be fiercely loving to Jesus' people. Now, you know, most, all of us grew up in imperfect homes. Most of us grew up in like really imperfect homes. And so it takes time as we are transformed for our relationships to get healthy. 
Um, we've all got old patterns from our old way of life and from our upbringing that over time we have to work through those. And so it requires a patience with each other. That's why I use the word fierce. It's like, hey, you know, uh, you just hurt me. I'm not gonna give up on this relationship just because you hurt me. I'm, I'm gonna be fiercely loyal because love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Now, sadly, many, quote, churches and many Christians are known for the exact opposite of this, aren't they? They're just known for being fierce, period. Not fiercely loving. And so, you know, it is on us as a movement of Jesus followers um, to constantly go to the word of God and say, are we really doing Jesus thing Jesus way? Or are we just doing it the way that was passed down to us? Because Christian movements, especially as they get money and buildings and resources throughout history, they tend to veer away, drift away. And so that's why here we always say, in our church, Christ is the head. In our church, his word is our guide. In our church, his spirit is our power. Um, if, if this church had zero dollars, zero buildings, zero anything else, but we had each other and the word of God and the spirit of God, that's all that we really need. And so we always say, what does Jesus teach? If Jesus teaches that the norm for Christians is that we're supposed to be known for our love and, we're, and, and that's not the norm in the country we live in, then let's make sure we're not just living like every other American Christian, but we're saying, Jesus, I wanna be like you. In fact, right now in this message would be a good time for you to just say from your heart, uh, because I, I can see it in some of your eyes, you're like, I want this, but I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid to open myself up. And, and, and there's a place for healthy boundaries. I'm not saying fully open your heart to every person you meet who says they're a Christian. Jesus wouldn't say that either, okay? But you do have to kind of be trying to connect with other believers. Find those ones. There's more than 10,000 in our movement. If you look around long enough, you'll find some ones that you click with. They might not be the first ones that you go to lunch or coffee with, but find some believers who you click with who also are saying, hey, I just wanna follow Jesus, nothing else. And, and I'm telling you guys, it's part of the journey of joy. There's a whole joy that comes from it. Uh, think, how could this change your family if you really started to take Jesus seriously about this? How could this change your relationships? How could it change your funeral? I mean, we don't typically think about our funeral, but like, think of what are people gonna get up and say about you at your funeral? Who's gonna get up and talk? Is it like, well, you know, I, I would see him at the golf club once a week and he was always nice to me. God bless him, you know? Or is it like, man, when I went through cancer, he came to the hospital and he visited me. Or, or, or you know, when I lost a baby, she shared with me that she had also lost a pregnancy and, and she brought me food and she brought me Starbucks and I'll, just, I'll never forget it because she was there for me. Like when you lay down your life to love people the way Jesus said, it, it builds these bonds and these connections that money can't buy and that typically in our culture right now that's so hateful and divisive, they're not happening anywhere else. Think of if you were to live life this way, what it would do for your kids and your grandkids. Because someday, your kids are gonna have needs and you're not gonna be there to meet them. You just won't be around. I mean, eventually, physically, you won't be around when your kids are 60, 70, 80 years old. But what if you have built a nest of Christian, genuine, you've found, you found the sincere Christians. <laughs> you've found the loving ones. You know, it's kind of like going to Goodwill, right? You have to like, you have to dig through some stuff to find the treasure. 
You found the good ones, and then you went in deep with them, and now your kids for for 30 years, they've had friends their age who are also followers of Jesus, whose parents were also followers of Jesus. You can give that kind of legacy to your kids. Anyone can. It doesn't cost any money, but it costs intentionality. It costs time. Well, what does this kind of love look like? The reality is in our movement, there's just hundreds of stories of this, and uh, and please don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying this is a movement of perfect people. We definitely aren't. Um, but one thing I love about this movement is there are so many of you who are so sincerely loving. Part of that love is showing up to serve by faith when you don't necessarily know who's gonna walk into your, your class or your Bible study or your small group, but you're there anyway and you're ready to serve as unto God. I wanna show you how life-changing this can be um, for, for a, a dear brother who I've gotten to know pretty well here in our church and for his mom. They were going through the hardest thing of their life and God used some of you to meet them. Go ahead and take a look. A big laugh. Yeah. A hearty laugh. Very distinct. You could hear it pretty much anywhere. Um, I didn't start noticing this until after he passed. I've started developing the same laugh a little <laughs> bit. Um, so, which every time that happens, it's just kind of like, yep, there he is. Um, there's dad. Daniel Lee Adams uh, passed on June 1st, 2021, uh, officially at 1 p.m. Just, I was just completely numb for a good two, three days. It was um, very strange because it was so quiet here. Um, He had the TV on all the time. So um, the noise factor without the oxygen and without the TV, it was pretty quiet. The first couple months, it was just trying to get through the days. We had not been able to go to church for such a long time. I had worked in the nursery for years, but had to give it up um, since uh, taking care of Dan. And I decided that I needed to step out. I'd been um, away from Bible studies for a few years, taking care of him. And so that was one thing I wanted to do. And at the time, the church had a uh, thing with all the small group and connections um, after the services in the gym. And so I uh, found the Bible study and I also found Grief Share. Learning um, to, uh, about God in Bible study and how to deal with my grief and grief share and doing it with uh, meeting new people um, has just greatly helped get through this past year. And at the same time, Jason found um, the Couch to 5K and Mini Marathon having people there that were also Christians that some of them had gone through the same thing, had lost parents um, before, so knew what I was going through. Um, And there's always, we always do a Devo before we go out and run as a group and being able to go out, run, pray, talk to God, get all that stuff out. That was just amazing to, to know that people were out there and wanted to help you through. 
there's also something about being in the church and yeah i wanted to be back there just because it's like it was like this is where i need to be Isn't that a beautiful story uh, to me that is just so symbolic and such a great example of the people of god at their best what we're to strive for what we're to be all about. And Connection Point, I just want you guys to know as a movement, I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, that story <laughs> literally is one of hundreds. That was my biggest challenge with this message. <laughs> I have like three other videos that I'm not gonna be able to even show you today because of time. But like there's, and on top of the videos, there's just so, there's so many stories. Uh, but it's all people who were, were willing to receive God's love and then willing to step into some environment with other believers and, and take a little bit of risk and trust, knowing that those people aren't perfect, but trusting God to work through them. There's a supernatural joy and there's a supernatural healing here on earth, broken by sin and Satan and evil. This joy and healing only exists within the love and within the life of Jesus' people. And that's why Jesus, over and over, he's gonna say things like, this is how everyone will know you're my disciples, John 13, 35, by your love, one for another. John 17, he's gonna pray, and he does this, this long prayer for his disciples. He says, I pray not only for these 11 with me, but for all who will come after them, God, that, the, that they'll be unified and that the world will know that I was Messiah because of the unity and the love of my people. That's that's the standard that we strive for, not because we're trying to earn God's acceptance, but he's given us that love and that unity. Uh, there's this saying I heard from a pastor long ago, when you know how much you're loved, you're able to love others much. And, and that's why it starts with us abiding in Christ. It's not, I'm just gonna try to be a nicer person, I'm gonna put up with these people, I'm gonna, no, it's Jesus, as I abide in you, first fill me with your love I need it for myself. And then, Lord, would your love overflow from me, first to the people right in my proximity. If you've got a spouse, kids, boyfriend, girlfriend, like I need your love for those people. And then as a believer, Lord, it's not in my nature. It's not the way I was raised. I was raised to be judgy, to be gossipy, to be angry, whatever else. That's all I saw growing up. But, Lord, would you change me, make me the person you want me to be so I can love the people in my life the way you do. Let me give you three real quick steps into this life of love that Jesus wants for you. And rather than go through them one by one, I'm just gonna give you all three here at once. I'm not gonna fully unpack these because we've got some celebrations to do today. But the first is this, let God love you. You can't skip that step. He said, abide in me. When you abide in me, then just like a branch has to be connected to the tree, um, then my life flows through you. So step one, let God love you. Wounds and all, imperfections, warts, shame, mistakes, all of that. That's the beauty of the cross that Jesus said, I've paid it all. Your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west. All your mistakes, I've buried them in the sea of forgetfulness. And so in God, you get that acceptance that no person can ever fully give you. And by the way, this is important in marriage especially, it's also important in the church. If you're looking to another human to give you the 
infinite love and acceptance that only God can give you, you're gonna be disappointed. So your husband will let you down, your wife will let you down, your kids will let you down, your small group will let you down. You've gotta find that in God. And you find it first for your salvation, but I just wonder, you know, like practical question, in your life lately, have you been looking to God to fill your, your love tanks, if you will, like your, you know, your void of love, your appetite for love. Have, have you, there's a lot of people who have believed in him for salvation, but have stopped looking to him. So that's, that's step one. This is all in the text. Step two, let God's people embrace you. This is hard, especially for, you know, if, if, you, if you, we all have broken relationships in our past, and some of us, it's people who said they were Christians. It's hard to let God's people embrace you. And it's okay to use some common sense and wisdom as you do this, okay? There's plenty of messed up people, really messed up people, unsafe people who claim to be Christians. So this isn't just like go, anyone who says they're a Christian, give them your social security number and, you know, tell them all your deepest pains. But like, you know, like it's, I don't want to say it's like dating, but in a sense, like a healthy relationship, you're going to get to know the person, the people in your small group, the, the other guys in your guys group, or, you know, like you saw in the mini marathon or the couch to 5k, we've got hundreds of these groups. And, and you just, you know, kind of, does this seem like a safe person? But here's what you don't do. You don't just give up. It's like, well, that one's not the one. These aren't the ones. You keep looking because you believe the words of Jesus. You do need to be embraced relationally. It's okay if you're not a hugger, okay? But, but relationally embraced by some other followers of Jesus who will take you as you are, but who will also love you enough to not let you just stay as you are. They're gonna say, hey, we're growing. We want you to grow with us. Third, serve, love, and speak highly of other believers. This is all in in those four chapters. I'm not gonna unpack all of it, but this is part of the way of life. So step one, let God's love fill you. Step two, let other people minister to you. That happens every weekend that you're here. Uh, if you've got kids in Kids City, you're being ministered to because the people in there are background checked and they're safe and they're caring for your kids. You get ministered to by our worship team, by our campus pastors, by whoever teaches the word of God. They're we're ministering to you. That's step two. Step three, you start to serve, you start to love, and you choose, I'm gonna be a person who speaks highly of other believers. I, I kind of like that that rhymes, right? Serve, love, and speak highly of. Because that speak highly of is so countercultural right now. And if we're not careful, actually if we're not intentional, we will be people who say, oh yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, we've got a Christian fish on our car, and we read our Bible, but we gossip about other Christians. We tell other people you know, how much they hurt us or how upset we are. Why do we do that? Because that is the water we swim in. That is the culture we swim in. And according to Jesus' words, we're supposed to be different in this way. We've got just a few kind of like tips here. <laughs> Don't expect perfection from Jesus' people, but do expect and give the grace of Jesus. So, you know, if you're like, okay, I'm gonna start to do this, please don't expect that there won't be any hurts or any problems. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 13, you could read more about that. I'd also say, this is just practical advice from having lived this for about 15 years, don't confuse lack of conflict for love. Real love includes healthy conflict, and that's a whole message right there, right? Most of us, the home we grew up in, 
uh, I can pretty much guarantee you, uh, your home you grew up in either had no conflict or it had yelling conflict. There's very few homes that have healthy conflict. And most likely, the person who you married or are dating came from the opposite home, right? If you grew up in a home that was yellers, um, your spouse grew up in a home where they put it all under the rug. Typically, those opposites attract. Not always, okay? And so then you're like, wow, what do we do with this? So learning to have healthy conflict, that's a whole thing in life. And it's a whole thing in the church. I put some references there. So if you want to go deeper, you can see, like, it's normal when you get people going after a mission, that there's gonna be disagreements. And so conflict, the presence of conflict doesn't mean the absence of love. In fact, love is saying, I love you enough to work through the conflict. Not, not just with my emotions and anger, but like I'm gonna set aside my rights to say I love you more than being right. And, and that's something as we grow in love that is supposed to be true of us in the church. John 13, verse 34, Jesus uses this command word another time. And he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then look at verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So sad to me that 2,000 years later, many, many people who wear the title Christian are not known for this. Uh, and, and I've used this illustration before. If you've heard it before, forgive me. But uh, one time I got really bad food poisoning at a restaurant, super sick. So since then, have I, have I, have I like, I'm never going to any restaurant? No, I still go to restaurants, but I'm very choosy and I'm very picky. So if you've been around Christians who don't live this out, the response isn't, well, I'm gonna give up on Christians and Christianity and any church. No, read the reviews, okay? Like be, ju just find a good restaurant that, that practices food hygiene where you won't get food poisoning, okay? Find a good movement of believers where, where there are other people saying, we wanna live this way. We wanna be known for our love uh, last thing I want to say today, building the kind of community that Jesus describes. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes perseverance. It takes sacrifice. And by the way, that's true of anything that's good in life. We got to get rid of this lottery winner mentality of happiness in America of like, I'm just going to push a button and I'll have no problems. That life does not exist. Outside Christianity, inside, it just doesn't exist on this earth. That's not reality. Anything good requires perseverance. Anything great requires sacrifice. Any relationship that's meaningful is gonna require you to trust in some ways that are uncomfortable, you to give grace that covers over other people's imperfections and receive grace for your own imperfections that you might not see, but the rest of your family does, okay? And it requires a whole lot of commitment over time. And so I saved this one for the end of our journey of joy because this is definitely more of a kind of lifestyle. This is one of those, you see the benefit over months and typically years and especially decades. But the people who choose to do this and they look back on the decades of their life, they have a richness of relationship and a depth of relational joy that money can't buy and simply isn't found anywhere else in the world. Well, it all starts with you just taking your next step whatever that is. And in just a moment, we're gonna see some people taking their next step by believer's baptism. 
which is choosing to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And that's really that first step we saw of letting God's love fill you. These are people who've said, I trust in Jesus to forgive my sins, and I believe in him enough that I'm willing to go public and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. So we're gonna see some people baptized into Christ. Guys, can, can we celebrate in just a moment as loud as we can so the Avon campus, they're live with us, can hear us? Because guess how many baptisms are happening or at least scheduled over at Avon, which is not even a year old? Nine. Nine <laughs> baptisms. Come on, Avon. Woo! That is awesome. So... By God's grace, we've had baptisms at all our services at at both locations, and it is just awesome to see God working. And if you're here and you've not taken that step, um, I'd invite you, as our baptisms are happening, you're welcome to talk to me. I'll be over by that exit sign, or anytime you can talk to one of our pastors up front. But right now, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, celebrate these. Father, I wanna thank you that you laid down your life for me, God, I didn't know how to receive love for most of my life. I'd been bitten in a lot of ways. But you've, um, you've just loved me patiently, unconditionally, and you've taught me to receive love. I pray for the person who today, this message is very engaging for them, but very frightening for them. They're closed off to love as a, an act of self-preservation. God, I pray that, that they'd open their heart to you, just to you, to receive the perfect love of God, the love that never fails, the love that always forgives, the love that pursues us when we run away, the love that embraces us when we're hurting. God, some people here today is their their day of salvation where they really believe in Jesus for the first time to receive that love. They believe that he died on the cross for them and rose again. Others of us, many, we've believed that, but Lord, if we're honest, um, our hearts have been a little closed off in this broken world. There's so much danger. We just wanna open our hearts to your love. Would you fill us with your love? God, I pray over this movement. I pray over every marriage, every dating relationship, every parent-child relationship, every small group, every interaction here in this building, every interaction throughout the week that we would be believers who follow your command to love one another, that we'd be patient, that we'd be forgiving, that we would um, show up for each other, that we'd sacrifice for each other. God, forgive us in a community where you know gossip is just the norm, that sometimes that bleeds into our lives. Forgive us for that. May we be believers who serve and love and speak highly of one another. God, I I just pray that every person right now who's surrendering to you, that you'd build that nest of relationships around them and that it would change their legacy, change their lives, give them this deep joy that's found nowhere else than in the body of Christ being what you've designed us to be. And may we be a church that is known for our love one for another. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, speaking of love and celebration, we're about to celebrate new believers and new baptisms. And so uh, what this is, if you've not seen this before, this is a time you receive salvation as a free gift. And then Jesus says your next step 
is to go public and let people know you're on Team Jesus. So that's what these people are doing today. And uh, if you've never been here before, we get a little bit raucous, a little bit loud. We like to cheer because this is a breakthrough moment for these folks in their lives. And if you've not done this, like I said, I'll be over by that exit sign. I see two of our pastors over there as well. We'd be happy to talk with you about that. But right now, why don't you stand with me? And um, we're just gonna worship and we're gonna celebrate new life in Christ. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.